Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. It is always a joy to be with you guys. Um, for those who are new to the podcast, we have a new show every Monday and Thursday streaming through CharismaPodcastNetwork.com. You could also get the app Charisma Plus where they've got you know podcasts and articles. My show is also streaming through there. And um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listened to, you could tap into Awaken Podcast. And so we are starting a new series. I'm not exactly sure how many um, parts we're going to have here. I think it's going to be around eight or nine parts. This could be the longest series that I've done thus far since I've started Awaken Podcast, but I'm really excited about it because it's been on my heart and it's something the Lord has been really instructing me in, speaking to me about for years. And it's something that we always need to refresh ourselves in as well. We need to remind ourselves of this frequently, especially as believers that have been saved for longer periods of time, okay? And so I want to get into a topic and I want to speak to you about first love passion, all right? And that is the name of this series, First Love Passion. And there's a scripture that I'm going to read to you from Revelation chapter 2 that is the foundation here, but I'm going to be pulling out a lot of scriptures as well you know, in the in this series so that you guys have a strong foundation in the Word of God. And, you know, obviously we have to talk. You can't just share stories, can't just share opinions, even though the world is full of opinions. Nowadays, everyone loves sharing their opinions all over social media, and there's a lot of outlets to do that. But it's important that we have our foundation on the rock, which is the Word of God, and Christ is our rock. So He is our foundation. And so I'm going to be diving into scriptures, laying a foundation here, but kind of just to start off here, you know, I remember when I first got saved, you know, you're, you're on fire for God, you're telling everyone about Jesus, you're devouring the Bible, you know, you're reading every single book about the Bible that you possibly can, you're telling all your friends about Jesus, it's just like, you know, you just can't help but talk about the Lord because you're just so passionate. And so, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, well, you're just in that honeymoon phase with the Lord, or you're just in that, you know, first love honeymoon period, but you know, it'll phase out. It'll, it'll, it'll wane, you know, and I don't know what their intention was in saying that to somebody. I think it just made them feel better because if you've been in the church for a while, you've been a Christian for a while and you feel like you're not passionate anymore. You're just going through the motions. You're dry. You know, you don't feel the presence of God as much. You're not, you don't want to dive into the word every single morning. You're not waking up at five o'clock and telling all your friends about Jesus like you used to. And so maybe when you see somebody newly saved, you start to think to yourself like, oh yeah, well, you know, it makes, it makes them feel better about themselves because they say, you know what? Well, that's just, I remember when I was like that 20 years ago or whatever. I'm not like that anymore, but that's just a honeymoon phase and they justify where they're at, um, you know, to possibly bring comfort to themselves. But I truly believe in the scriptures, I believe as well, the scriptures speak of this, that we could remain in that place, that we could be fervent in spirit. We can continue and grow in our passion, that we could be on fire for the Lord all the days of our lives. There's no reason for that passion to wane, to subside. There's no reason why it just needs to be a phase or a period of time, okay, that we're on fire for God, and then now we're just religious and dry and <laughs> and just going through the motions, okay? And so this is a very important subject, and there's many people that have said that to me even, okay? But I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice. It was said to me probably several times when I first encountered the Lord, oh, yo, you're in that honeymoon period. And I had to make a choice on the inside not to believe what that individual was saying to me, you know, uh, not be upset or offended, not to 
be mad at that person for you know putting me down or trying to throw water on the fire but realizing that hey listen they have a good heart good intentions and they they really don't know what they're doing and so i'm not upset i'm not offended at them but at the same time i refuse to receive that word i refuse to accept that this is only a period of time or a phase in my life there's no reason why I can't go from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to th- strength. There's no reason why this thing gets worse over time. It doesn't get better. Okay. And so I had to make that choice. And unfortunately, I've met a lot of people who didn't make that choice when they were newly saved and somebody said that to them, they believed it. And therefore they experienced that because their expectation wasn't in a place of faith in the truth, but their expectation was in a lie. And because their expectation was in that lie, that's what they received. That's what their experience was. And so that's, I want to break that lie off of you right now in the name of Jesus, if that is you. Um, or I just want to affirm and confirm to you that what you believe about the Lord and, and your walk with him, that you can grow in intimacy, that you can know him more every day, that you can go from glory to glory with God. There's no reason for your passion to wane. If you truly believe that, that will be your experience. That will manifest in your life. And so this is very important. I want to lay that as a foundation. I want to kind of just say, hey, listen, you know, we've all been there, done that. Every single one of us, you know, when we first encountered the Lord, went through this time frame, but this time frame does not need to end. And so I'm going to read Revelation chapter two, verses two through seven. And this is um, kind of a bedrock or cornerstone scripture for us during this time. And so Revelation chapter two, verses two through seven, and this is the Lord Jesus speaking to a church, Okay. Lord Jesus, speaking to the church, he said, I know your deeds and your labor and perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil people and that you put those who call themselves apostles to the test and they are not and you found them to be false and you have perseverance and you have endured on my account for my name and you have not become weary. All that great stuff. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But you have this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And the one who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes, I will grant him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so this church right here, they had great deeds. They labored for the Lord. They persevered in hard times. They didn't tolerate evil people. They put false apostles and prophets to the test and found them to be false. They persevered on the on the account of the name of the Lord and they did not become weary. All of that is amazing. But then Jesus said, but this one thing I have against you, you have fallen, you you have fallen and you have left your first love. So he's saying, okay, you guys, you've learned over time how to be strong and to endure. You've learned over time how to represent me well. You are faithful. You call out people who are unfaithful or people who are crooked and corrupt, but you've got obsessed with the work. You know how to do the stuff. You know how to, you know how to, <laughs> you know, do certain things that I commanded you to do, but your heart is not fully um, on fire or passionate about me like you were. And that's a big deal to the Lord. He literally said, I'll remove your lampstand from his place unless you repent, which means, and for me, and you could read many commentaries and translations, talking about influence. I'll remove you from your place of influence. You won't be that shining bright light in your city unless you come back to that place of first love where you're brimming over with passion for the Lord, where your eyes are shining with the light of God, where you are obsessed with him. It's all about Christ and him crucified and not about your works and what you can do and about being fruitful because fruit comes 
as a byproduct or a result of being intimate with the Lord and focusing on the cross and Christ and and just spending time in his presence. We illuminate uh, with his goodness, with the fruit of the spirit. We begin to walk in the miraculous. We cannot make the works of God more important than knowing the heart of God. And so that's where this church went wrong. And so, you know, and, and I'm sure many of you relate to this. And the reason why I'm even bringing this series up is because I know in my heart that many of you need to hear this. We need to return to our first love. We are meant to be on fire. We are meant to be passionate. We are meant to be fervent and zealous for the Lord. No one lukewarm has changed the world. Only those who are sold out, laid down lovers, infused with passion for God, burning for the Lord. These are people that make a difference. And this is... This is very important. We know now that this is not a phase, that we can go from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength, that we can continually burn for the Lord. We, this is not just a phase, like many people say, honeymoon phase. And even in marriage, people say, oh, you just got married, you're, you're in your honeymoon phase. And yes, is it a reality for many people that you have a good year or two, and then over time, hey, you know, you get to know each other really well, you're not, you know, um, romancing each other anymore, you're not going on dates as much, you get caught up in life. that does happen. That is many people's reality. But I have seen in godly leadership, I have seen in my life and in godly leadership and those I choose to surround myself with married people that have been married 40, 50 years and they attest to this and they confirm this reality that you can, if you prioritize your, your, your marriage, if you put Jesus in the center of everything and you refuse to settle and you refuse to be distracted and you refuse to, You refuse to um, so many. You refuse to settle for less. Okay, I think that's the most important thing. You refuse to settle for less and just say, okay, well, this is just what is going to be. And if that's the case, you can have a um, an amazing marriage, and that can continue until you know for for the for the remainder of your life. And I've seen mentors of mine that have been married forty, fifty years, and they're more in love than they've ever been. And so this is you know. Our, our relationship with the Lord is a, is a marriage relationship. He's a father to us. Obviously, we have our Heavenly Father. We have Jesus, who is the Son of God, but he's also the bridegroom, like the Song of Songs. And we had a whole series on the Song of Songs. And we have the Holy Spirit, who brings us an intimacy with the Father and the Son. And so this is very important. We, we, we got to that point in terms of the honeymoon phase. But I want to I wanna say this, because I don't want you guys to be focused on yourself, your effort, um, your ability to remain in this place. You know, an individual came up to me one time and they said, I want to love God more. I want to burn for him, but it's so hard. And, and honestly, I remember just looking at them thinking, well, you're focusing so hard on your love for God and you're not focusing enough on his love for you. We love because he first loved us. We, our love is weak. Our love is imperfect. His love is perfect. His love is strong. He, his love never fails. And so we need to stop navel gazing and trying to find passion and strength and, and what we need in and of ourselves. We cannot drum up love for God. We cannot drum up passion for God. Instead of focusing on trying to find what we need on the inside of us and what we could do to discipline ourselves into that place. We need to focus on his passion for us, his hunger for us, 
his love for us, that it is unending, that is that it doesn't waver. His love is consistent. His love is constant. His love is true. There's nothing I could ever do to make him love me less, and there's nothing I could ever do to make him love me more. And so when you are feeling dry, when you're feeling burnt out, when you're feeling like you'd rather do anything else than break open your Bible, pray, and spend time with the Lord, then it's okay. Apart from him, we could do nothing. We are weak in and of ourselves, but in our weakness, he is made strong. We need to, at that point, not focus on what we need to do to get more passionate, but we need to focus on his love, his passion, his hunger, his desire for us. All that he did, the cross of Christ, that he went to that cross, painful, torturous death, that he For the joy set before him, he endured that cross. He went to that cross and it was his passion that led him there. And the passion wasn't just, you know, so that we'd go to heaven one day. His passion is that he would be with us in this earth and also in heaven in glory one day, that we would be with him forever, that he would have intimate relationship with us. That's the joy that was set before him. Sons and daughters that would know him intimately, that would abide in his presence, that would walk and talk with him in the cool of the day like Adam and Eve, that would be empowered by his presence. Those who are spirit led the mature sons of God are led by the spirit of God that we would have life with him and we'd be presence carriers on the earth today and that we would know him forever throughout eternity and so how do we burn we burn because Jesus loves us and he burns for us and this is important I want to end the show just laying a scriptural foundation here briefly the Bible talks about God being an all-consuming fire. If you read in Song of Songs 8, 6 through 7, it talks about the seal of fire on our heart, which is the Lord. And it also talks about God being a consuming fire and the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. It's talking about a relenting flame and a relenting fire. If you're reading from the Passion Translation, it talks about putting this fire upon our hearts because he is a consuming fire, because he has a burning heart. We have that seal upon us as we focus upon that, as we agree with the truth of who he is and how he views us, how he feels about us, then we become on fire as well. So if you read Song of Songs 8, 6 through 7, it makes this very clear. And let me just... Let me just read this. Fasten me upon your heart. This is Jesus speaking to his bride. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as a prisoner of my love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield yourself to this fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. Nothing can quench this love, okay? And in Hebrews 12, 29, it says, our God is an all-consuming fire. This is defining God. Who is God? He's an all-consuming fire. Who is God? God is love. That's what 1 John says. And so in Revelation 1, 14, I read to you Revelation 2, but in Revelation 1.14, it describes Jesus Christ in his glory, and it says his head and his hair were white like wool, white as glistening snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. And many people think, oh, that fire, that's the judgment of God, that's the anger of God. Absolutely not. This is talking about the passion in his eyes, his love for his people, an unrelenting flame, just like it talks about in scripture, God is love. And if God is angry, it's because of his love. He is angry at 
everything that kills his children, everything that harms his children, all the defects in this world that abuse and, and use and, and take advantage of his people. He wants to destroy those things that destroy us. And so even his anger is an extension of his love. But when we're talking about the fire in his eyes and God being an all consuming fire, we're not talking about, you know, the judgment of God in, in a sense that he's just angry and he wants to destroy and punish everything that does not align with him. No, we're talking about a God of love that wants to destroy everything that hinders our intimate relationship with him. And now, if you go into 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15, which I'm not going to read in depth right now, but it talks about all of our works one day. When we stand before the Lord Jesus, all of our works will be tested by fire. And that fire is the love of God. It's symbolic. The scriptures are parabolic, symbolic in nature. And the Apostle Paul uses parabolic language and symbols as he writes. And these, he got these revelations from the glory realm, from heaven. He received these revelations by the Spirit of God. And so it's important. He did not not articulate and break down that this fire is the love of God. But if we go through the scriptures and we see what fire represents, we know that our works will be tested by fire. Everything that was done with pure intentions, in love, servant-minded, that we're we're not doing it for selfish reasons, for self-promotion and self-gain, that we're not doing things so that man could clap for us and say, oh, wow, good job, because Jesus said, if men clap and applaud for us, that is our reward, but we are living for the eternal reward. Everything we've done in love, in purity of motive for others to serve the Lord, he Will, will come out the other side like gold and silver and costly stones. And so in Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist says that we will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. We'll be baptized in the fire of his love so that we can love him and love others in a supernatural manner, not in a natural earthly way. Jesus even says, you know, Yo, anyone could love their friend, even evil people, even people that don't have God. They could love their friends or their family members, but you guys are different. You guys are not of this world. I believe that you can love your enemies. That's why he says, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you and curse you. Okay, he's saying like, what? What merit is it to you if you could bless those who love you? No, you must bless and love those who curse you and persecute you. That is a supernatural love. That is otherworldly. That is something that we can't do on our own. We need the grace of God to do that. So we need this baptism of fire, this baptism in the selfless love of God. And when we experience the presence of God, And when we experience who he is and we encounter the truth of who he is, then our hearts begin to burn. It says in Luke 24, 32, those who were walking down the road to Emmaus and they were talking with the Lord Jesus, but he was concealed. They did not know it was the Lord after his resurrection. But when he broke the bread, he sat down at a table and he broke bread with them and had some wine. Then he was revealed to them as being Jesus and he disappeared. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And that's why at the very beginning of January, I released a show called Prioritizing Word and Spirit, because as the Lord speaks to us through his word, as the Lord speaks to our hearts, and as he explains the word, the spirit of revelation uh, on the word of God, as we get revelation of who he is and see him for who he is, our hearts burn and we and we just bubble over with passion for the Lord. Yet again, revelation, the spirit of revelation causes us to burn and for the fire of God to be bright inside of our hearts. And I'm going to close with this. 
I never used to understand fire, you know, the fire of God, the fire of God, the fire of God. We would talk about this frequently, and the Lord took me on a journey to really see it in Scripture and get a revelation of His love here. But even when evangelists would come in the town, and for many of you who grew up in the Pentecostal charismatic church, you know, you know the evangelists would come and a fire, 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 and they would just pray fire over you. And I never really understood it, and honestly, it kind of frustrated me sometimes because I just didn't, I didn't want the cliche. I wanted the the real, authentic you know, encounter with the Lord. And so, but I went to this one meeting and the presence of God was weighty and the anointing was there and there's an evangelist and he shared his story and he wept and he preached with just fervor and, and, and zeal. And he started praying for people and I just sensed the tangible anointing of the Lord. And he came up to me and he prayed fire over me. Of course, didn't give me a prophetic word, didn't say anything else, but declared fire over me like two or three times. And I remember in the moment, I didn't feel anything specific. I didn't get tingles. I didn't fall down. Nothing like that happened. But I remember I I knew the Lord was there and he was moving. And so I just postured my heart in a place of honor and humility. And I just said, Lord, I receive whatever it is, whatever it is, I receive. And then later on, the next day, actually went to bed that evening. The next day, God began to challenge my heart that I was holding things against a few people in my life. There's a few people that I judged harshly. There was a few people that I had offense towards. And honestly, I was blind to it. I I didn't know. I I wasn't aware. And um, the next day, the Lord began to show me this person you've been judgmental of, this person you've been very, very critical of, and you've said things about them, this person you're offended at because of what they did, this person said this to you, and and you're hurt by that, you have unforgiveness in your heart. And the Lord began to challenge these things in me. And he also challenged me to go to those individuals and make it right. So that's what I did. There's four people. I went to them. I shared with them my thoughts. I forgave them. I spoke life and love over them. And we reconciled. And the Lord began to remind me that evening as I was going to bed the second night, he reminded me, remember when the evangelist prayed fire over you? He was like, that's exactly what you received, the fire of God, which is the love of God. And love unites people. Love refuses to have separation and distance between individuals. God knew and saw that there was a few people in my life that were very special that he put in my life for a reason, his beloved children, and he did not want me to have a disconnect with those individuals. Love does not drive apart, but love brings us together. Unity. God wants unity among his people. God wants us bound together in love. God wants us forgiving one another and releasing offenses. God doesn't want us to be judgmental and critical of one another. We try to pull, you know, these little splinters out of our brother's eye when we have a log in our own. And so the Lord began to show me these things and I grew in my relationship with these individuals and it wound up being something blessed and beautiful. But when the evangelist prayed fire over me, I received it and it was a fire of love where the Lord began to show me areas of my life where I was lacking. He burned away offense and and lies and judgmentalism on the inside of me with the fire of his love and he compelled me to make things right which is always the heart and the intention of the lord and so in this episode which is part one of our series first love passion i wanted to lay a foundation i wanted to show you that it's possible for you to remain in first love passion that you could always you're always growing you're always going higher and deeper with the lord you never need to have that period of time where you don't need to believe the lie that it's only a honeymoon phase and the rest of your life it's going to be dull and boring and i also wanted to highlight here that we 
to stay in that place of first love, we can't focus on ourselves and generate it within our own abilities, but we need to focus on his love for us and stay centered on Christ and the gospel. And that God, by definition, through the scriptures, many places in scripture in the Old Testament and new, he is an all-consuming fire. And when we spend time with him in his presence, we burn as well. And the purpose of the fire of God is to uh, consume us with his love. And so I'm going to go into, in the future parts here um, in this series, I'm going to talk about what hinders us from first love and how we could return to that place of first love as well. And so bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to Awaken Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they could be awakened to the beautiful gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll speak to you guys next time on Awaken Podcast. Hello, let me tell you about this amazing online store, The Hope Filled Journey. You'll definitely want to check it out today. Michelle and Renee Torres, they started up this online store in obedience to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crazy year, like we all know, uh, full-time jobs, raising four children, and they stepped out in faith, and God is honoring them every step of the way. You go to www.thehopevilledjourney.com. It's where you'll find extraordinary products, clothes, fashion accessories, jewelry, and more. Their goal is to inspire faith through their product line as well as high quality and all they do and produce, which we know is very, very important. Um, check it out today, thehopefilledjourney.com, and you'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more. And you'll also get $20 off of your purchase if you spend $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. So go to www.thehopefilledjourney.com. You'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more, and you'll get $20 off if with, with a purchase of $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. I highly recommend it. It's an incredible store, so make sure to go to thehopefilledjourney.com today.